about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Praise God. How is everybody? Good. That's the way we want you. Awesome. That's for sure. Praise God. All right. Are you ready tonight? All right. Go to Proverbs chapter 19 tonight. Father, I thank you for your word, your revelation tonight. It explodes on the inside of us, Father. I thank you that we're not just not hearers of the word. We are doers of the word. And I thank you as we do that, it becomes reality on the inside of each and every one of us. Father, we thank you for having us in this time, in this place, in this hour. We thank you for the giftings you've given us on the inside, and we thank you for revealing every single gift each one of us has. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, Proverbs chapter 19. Two weeks ago, we talked about priority. If you did not hear that, you need to go online, probably listen to it, because uh, we talked about the priorities in your life, how to set your priorities up. How many of you are here for that? How many of you are doing that? Yes. Praise God. Okay, well, you're all yes. That's up to you whether you really are or not. Praise God. All right, Proverbs chapter 19. Look at verse 21. It says, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. Another translation says, Many are the plans in the heart of a man, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Now notice, this tells me that anything really that God's interested in has to do with his plan and his purpose. That means a lot of us have plans of what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. But if our plans do not line up with his purpose, we're wasting our time on our plans because God's only concerned about his purpose. And here it says, no matter how many plans that you got, if they're not in line with his purpose, basically sooner or later they will be diminished and you'll end up in the right plans for his purpose. So we've got to know, praise God, why God is motivated. Now we know last week or two weeks ago, what is, what is the priority? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now if you're going to seek the kingdom of God, people say, well, I understand the kingdom of God. I know the kingdom of God. I can tell you right now, you don't. The kingdom of God is so vast, it's so much to learn, it's so much there, but by seeking it, you will find out about the kingdom of God. And once you live in the kingdom of God, you will come out of religion you will come out of doubt, you will come out of unbelief, and you'll start walking in the freedom that God has promised each and every one of us. So God is motivated by his purpose, not our plans. Everything that God does is to fulfill his purpose here in the earth. What's God's purpose? It's to establish his kingdom on earth through his creation called mankind. That's God in a, in a nutshell. He wants to establish the kingdom of God here on earth through his creation of mankind. Now, if you don't know what a kingdom is, it's going to be hard to understand kingdom. If you don't understand how a kingdom operates, you'll read this book religiously rather than the way to understand it and get revelation. Kingdom basically means a king with a domain. In other words, a king, it's a governmental issue who rules over a domain, has a, a property or a territory that they rule over. So basically the uh, purpose is known as the original intent. Purpose is the original intent, why something was created, the why. You know, why did God make the earth? Why did God do this? Why did God make man? Why did God make me? All these are question marks that need answered, and when you find the purpose, they'll answer the why that you have in your life. Everything has a purpose. A dishwasher has a purpose. What is it for? 
Washing dishes. A car has a purpose. What's it for? Transportation. A tire has a purpose. What's it for? So the car can have some place to go. Well, man was created, and what was he created for? Was he created necessarily to worship? No. Was he created to sing? No. Was he created to even have church? No. The Bible says, in the beginning, let us make man in our image and let him have, yeah, let him have. So man was created for rulership. Man was created for dominion. How many of you know that you can worship on Sunday morning and never rule anything in your life? So we are called to be dominion or worship. We were given a, a kingdom, and basically that rulership that we have is our number one priority. Let us make man in his image and likeness and let them have dominion. The word dominion here is to rule. It is a kingdom. And now what is man supposed to rule? First of all, where is man supposed to rule? On earth, isn't he? He's not going to rule in heaven. Somebody's already got that under control up there. He is put here to rule on earth, basically. And what's he supposed to rule on earth? The Bible says all things. The fish and the sea and the birds and all these things he's supposed to rule. Man was created that he was going to rule over his feelings, over his emotions. He was going to basically live in the spirit rather than in the natural realm. And he was given dominion to do that. So where is success? How many of you want to be successful? Don't we all want to be successful? Well, in order to be successful is someone or something that created for and completes its purpose that it was created for. So basically, if you have a dishwasher that doesn't work, how many know that's not a successful dishwasher? That's a pile of junk. So basically, whatever our purpose is, if we do that purpose, we are successful in our own lives. So God wants his purpose, his will, his plans, not my will, not my plans. The Bible says here, many are the plans in a man's heart. Boy, when I first got saved, I had a lot of plans. I was telling God what to do, how to do it. I was making my plans and saying, back my plans now, God. And how many know most of them he did not back? Because they were not his plans, they were my plans. So instead of looking for him to back my plans, I decided to find out his plans and back his plans. And things started working a lot better than they did before. So once you find out his purpose, what's he wants to do? Extend his kingdom into this earth realm, and your plan should line up with that. When we make our plans, we want to be able to bless God in our plans. Look, you can spend your whole life doing your plans and still not being successful. Because if you didn't do what you were supposed to do, you're not successful anyway. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. One of the greatest tragedies in life is not death but living this life without a purpose. Every time I read that, I think of how many people, and I'm not just talking about worldly people. I'm talking about people who are born again who don't have any idea that they have a purpose here on the earth, that God even put them here for a purpose. They just think they're here, and hopefully God likes them someday and helps them someday. They don't understand that even before you were put in your womb, God had a purpose for you, and that's why you were born into the earth to begin with. So when you start seeking that purpose that's in line with God's purpose, you're going to start to get in like a river flow where everything's going to start to flow in a good direction in your life. Your health will line up, your peace will line up, your joy will line up. Why? Because you're now working with God. How many of you want to work with God? See, a lot of times in my life, my plans, I was working against him. He was trying to do this, and I was trying to do that. And I tried to convince him to do mine. How many of you know I lost? Because he's not going to change. He's had that from the very beginning. That's what he wanted done. He wanted to get his kingdom into this earth realm and into man. So it's important for us then to study the kingdom, to learn how to live in the kingdom, to learn how to teach the kingdom, because you can be a worldly success and a heavenly failure. 
There's a lot of people out there who look successful, movie stars and sports people and all that kind of stuff. But let me tell you, they are not succeeding unless what they're doing with their gifts are glorifying God and bringing the kingdom into the earth realm. It's totally a waste of time. The greatest failure in life is to be successful in the wrong thing. In the wrong thing. So we need to start seeking what? The kingdom of God. Why did Jesus come? Go to Matthew chapter 4. I think everything would have been easier for me if I would have been born in a country that was a kingdom. Because that way I could understand a king ruling over a domain. We live in a democracy and it has nothing to do with a kingdom whatsoever. I mean, you can vote things in, vote things out. Let me tell you, you're not going to vote God in or out. He's going to be there forever. He's the ruler, praise God. He's the king. And if we knew that type of government, I think it would have helped each and every one of us. So that's why we have to renew our mind on the word of God. Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near at hand or is here. So Jesus came. What did he come? What was his main purpose? To restore God's kingdom. Why is that? Because God's purpose never changes. The same purpose he had in Genesis chapter 1 that man messed up, he's still trying to do it. How many know he's not going to change his plans just because you keep messing up? So we've got to find his plan. So basically, the last Adam, who was Jesus Christ, came, and God basically started Act 2. Act 1 with Adam didn't work out, so he started Act 2. Jesus was the second Adam. Jesus says, hey, the kingdom is back. The kingdom is here. Repent. Now, why do we have to repent? Because we do not understand the kingdom ways. We do not understand how to live in the kingdom. We do not understand hardly anything about the kingdom. So he says, change your way of thinking. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean repent for your sin, because your sin is because of the way that you think. Are you listening? Everybody says, repent. I need to repent from sin. No, repent from your stupid thinking, and you'll quit sinning. See, so when we repent with our thought life, he says, line up like the kingdom of God, and you won't have this problem anymore. So the kingdom of God now came back to earth. How did it come? It came on the inside of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God lived on the inside of him. So he was bringing the kingdom back. He was bringing the power back. He was bringing the laws back. He was bringing everything about the kingdom of God back. His coming, basically, his life, his death, his resurrection was to restore God's main purpose, which is to restore the kingdom of God on earth through mankind. All right, go to Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 17. Jesus says, Think not that I have come to destroy the law and the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So Jesus said, this is why I came, basically. He says in verse 17, Think not that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. He said, I didn't come here to wipe away the law. I didn't come here to wipe away the prophets. I didn't come here to argue with them. I didn't come with my own opinion. I didn't come with my own thing I wanted to do. He said, basically, I came to fulfill the original intent that my father sent me here to do. So basically, he didn't come with a new idea. He didn't come with a new concept. He came basically to restore God's original intent, which is the kingdom of God on earth through mankind. Notice he says, heaven and earth may pass away, but not one word of my purpose, my will, or my original intent will change. So God says, Here, here's how serious this is. If I have to move the present heaven and the present earth to fulfill my purpose, I'll do it. 
He says, if I've got to create a new heaven and a new earth, I'll do it. And how many of you know that's going to happen? Why? Because he wants his purpose fulfilled here in the earth. So basically, what did, what did Jesus come to do? We didn't have to do the law anymore. Why the law was Old Testament? The law was a book of rules that were written down for people to do to become righteous, but the only problem was people couldn't do them to become righteous because they couldn't do them because they were, had the devil's nature on the inside. So they were trying to become righteous. Here comes Jesus, and he provided righteousness for everybody who was trying to become righteous in the Old Testament. He says you don't need the rules and laws anymore because I have provided righteousness for you. You don't need to obey the rules of the law. You need to believe me of what I've done. And when you believe you're righteous, you will live righteously Amen. in this earth. He said, he said, you don't have to, the prophets anymore came and what did they do? They said, the king is coming, the king is coming, the king is coming. Jesus said, the king isn't coming, I'm here. Is that right? So he ended. All these prophets saying the kingdom, king's coming. The king, well, the king's now here. So Jesus says, I just came to fulfill those laws. I fulfilled the law, took care of that. Now righteousness is available to everybody, not by your efforts, but by what I do. And basically, the prophets basically have prophesied of me coming. We don't need that prophecy anymore because I'm here. You don't have to wait for me to come again because I'm already here to do what God called me to do. All right, go to Mark chapter 9. All right, Mark chapter 9, look at verse 1. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here, which shall not taste death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John. He led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, because he was sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. So here we see what they call the Mount of Transfiguration. I like to call it the Mount of Transference. Yes. Jesus came, thought the kingdom came back. Now notice some people think the kingdom of God is going to come when you die to go to heaven or when Jesus comes back the second time. Well, if that's true, then according to verse 1, there are people here who are well over 2,000 years old because there are some people standing there at that time who are going to see him come back. So if they were there then and they're there now and see him come back, they're over 2,000 years old. So that's not true. We're not waiting on heaven for the kingdom. The kingdom of God has arrived here on the earth. And notice when it comes, it's going to come with what? Power. Say power. power. All right, so Jesus shows up on the mountain. There he is. All at once, here's Moses. All at once, here's the prophet Elias. And Jesus is there and he's talking to them. So what, what was he saying to them? Well, I can tell you exactly what he was saying. He was saying, Moses, you did a great job. You brought the law. That's what I needed you to do. You did a wonderful job, but now I really don't need you much anymore. Just going to push you over here. Elias, you're a prophet. You're a great guy. Glad to have you here and everything, but we no longer need the prophets anymore because basically it's already fulfilled. I've taken care for it. Good job. No problem. Good job, Elias. Good job, Moses. You did a, did a good job. He says, but now things are going to change because now they, they really won't listen to the law anymore. They won't listen to the prophets of old that much, but they're going to listen to me. Notice what the Father says. This is my beloved son. Hear who? 
hear him. Notice, there was a dispensational switch that took place right there. In other words, there's an Old Testament, a New Testament. An old way of doing things, a new way of doing things. The new way of doing things is to hear him rather than hear the Old Testament. Are you following me? Now, the Old Testament is a type and shadow. Yes, it is. It'll help us in different things in the New Testament. But there was a dispensation that was separated there. Remember John the Baptist? We're just going to go as far as we can go because we're not going to get anywhere tonight anyway. So, okay, is that all right with you? So there'll be no conclusion, basically, here tonight. There'll just be a continuation, basically. Notice, John, here's John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes, you need to repent, you need to repent, you need to repent. But he says, here's the Lamb of God. Here's the Lamb of God. What was it? He was caught in the Old Testament and the New. He had like the wall in between him, and he didn't know which way to go. So Jesus said, you see that guy over there? Every man born a woman, he's the greatest one. But you take it over on the other side, he's the least. Why? Because on this side, he was, he was proclaiming Jesus coming, Jesus coming. But when you took him on this side, he never even got born again because it wasn't available. So he's great over here, but the least over here because he didn't even enter the kingdom that he was proclaiming was here and Jesus was here. So there was a dispensational divide there of the two. Are you following me? There was a separation that took place there between the two and we're going from a place of listening to the Old Testament and the prophets and all these things into a place where you're going to hear him. Now what did him preach? kingdom of God. You go through the four gospels, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like. Let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like. I'll tell you what the kingdom of God is like. This is what the kingdom of God is like. That's what the kingdom of God is like. So what did the son preach? The son preached the kingdom of God. So basically, to, and people say this all the time, I'm following Jesus. I, I was on the trip. We were on the trip. I was sitting by the pool. Some young guy came up and started talking to me. I told him I was a pastor. We started, when did you start, you know, going to new Jesus? And I told him the date. I said, when did you? I started following Jesus way back when I was 19 years old. I said, are you still following him? He said, oh, yeah. I said, well, where's he going? <laughs> I mean, everybody's got this religious cliche. Do you understand? I'm following Jesus. Well, where's he going? If you don't know where he's going, how are you following him? Right? So, so he had no idea, no idea. I said, well, you know, he preached the kingdom. He should be following the kingdom. And, of course, that basically checked him out then, and that was pretty much the end of that. But, but still, if you're going to follow Jesus, then follow Jesus, right? If Jesus was preaching the kingdom, then we ought to be preaching the kingdom. If Jesus was living the kingdom, then we ought to be living the kingdom. If Jesus was understanding the kingdom, then we ought to understand the kingdom. If we're really going to follow him and what he did, which was preach the kingdom all the time, praise God. So notice the Father says, hear ye him. So now hear Jesus. That's what he wants us to do is hear Jesus. Just go to Hebrews 1. I'll show you twice that way. Out of the mouth or two or three. Hebrews chapter 1, look at verse 1. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by who? But has in these last days spoken unto us by who? The Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he has made the worlds. So here he is, Paul saying, if Paul wrote Hebrews, which I think he did, he's saying in times past, you learned and you listened to the prophets. But now you're going to hear from the Son. And what did the Son teach and preach? He preached the kingdom of God. And you go to churches, you don't hear about the kingdom of God. I got two associate's degrees. I didn't have one class on the kingdom of God in any one of the classes that I took. Nobody teaches the kingdom of God because everybody wants to teach religion rather than the kingdom of God. Some people want to teach faith. How many know that's all right? If it's preached from a kingdom perspective. We could go for days right there. 
See, you can preach faith, and basically when they taught me faith, it was I got to read the word, I got to quote the word, I got to read the word, and I'm going to try to get God to give me a new car. I'm going to try to get him to get me a new house. I'm going to try to get me a better job. I'm going to do everything that I can. I'm going to do a uh, uh, healed, 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 blessed, 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 healed, healed, blessed, 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 blessed. Well, notice, in the kingdom of God, you don't talk that way because you're already healed. You're already blessed. You have everything that you need. So you now you know, you're talking to God from a kingdom perspective rather than from a religious perspective down here trying to get things. So I thought I didn't have enough faith. When I looked in the driver every morning and my new car wasn't there, uh, they told me I didn't have enough faith. So what did I do? I got a new car. 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 And how many know the new car never showed up in my driveway at all? Because I was trying to get something from God. Are you following me? We don't get something from God. Once you enter the kingdom of God, you become a citizen of a real life country. You can't see it, but it's there. It's called heaven. And everything in that government and in that country, you have access to the day you become a citizen of. You don't have to beg God for your rights. He gave you your rights to receive those things. So all those things belong to us. You were born again. The Bible says unless you get born again, you cannot see the kingdom, of, don't say you can't see faith, you can't see healing. No, you can, you can now see the kingdom of God. Once you see the kingdom of God, everything is included in the kingdom, just like here in the United States. It's the same way, praise God. You're a citizen of the United States. How many know you have rights here? You have a right to get a driver's license if you want to. You have a right to own a house if you want to. You have a right to have a swimming pool if you want to. All these are divine rights because you are a citizen of a country. Well, now you're the citizen of a, another country also, but I want to use my background and my intelligence and my access to access from this kingdom rather than this kingdom. Because the earthly kingdom don't give you much. You've got to fight for everything you can. But here, you've got access to everything you'll ever need. And here's the thing. Everybody who gets born of the kingdom has the same access takes away jealousy, doesn't it? If you're jealous of somebody else, find out how they accessed it. And then access it. Don't blame, oh God, he just loves them more than he loves me. That's just the way God is. He, he just loves them. He hates my guts. And that, no, no, no. They, they learned how to access it, praise God. I can go to my ATM and I can pull money. I'll give you my card. You ain't going to get nothing out of it. You don't know my PIN number. It just don't work, these stupid machines, and what's the matter with them? No, you've got to have the PIN number, and the PIN number is faith in what God has already given you, not what you're trying to get from him. So that's a dispensational separation again, isn't it? The Old Testament was always trying to get something from him, and it didn't work. But in the kingdom of God, when you went in there, now you can see everything that belongs to you that was provided for each and every one of us. All right, go to Luke chapter 16. There's a major mind switch that will take place in your life as you study the kingdom. All right, Luke chapter 16, look at verse 16. Jesus is speaking. It says, the law and the prophets were until who? John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. Now, is this Jesus speaking? So this is serious, isn't it? He says, the law and the prophets were until when? Now, what John's he talking about? John the Baptist. But since that time, since what time? Since the time of John the Baptist, now what's preached? The kingdom of God. 
but the kingdom of God is not being preached. The law and the prophets is still being preached. So what happens because of that? Not every man is pressing into it because they only press into the kingdom. See, we call it the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel is not the kingdom. The gospel is the good news about the kingdom. The word means good news. So if we can get back to teaching and preaching the kingdom, people will start pressing in to get what God has already given them. If, if they don't get you in the kingdom, it works. I was in it for years. I got born again. I was working my tail off to get something from God, and he was either deaf or he didn't know what he was doing or whatever. I was trying my best. I had no peace. I had no joy. It was promised to me. I kept trying to get it until I found out that all those things were freely given to me, and I was given, given the, and, and the biggest thing, biggest thing is, and there's one line in the song, if we talked about it tonight, that we sing the new song, is that God's in control. I hate that. I, I, as soon as it came across, I went, Eat! and I did the same thing for her. Why? God is not in control. God is not in control of your life. God is not in control of who you married. God is not in control of whether you pray. God is not in control of whether you fast. God is not in control of whether you read your Bible. God is not in control. And when you figure that out, you're going to take more responsibility for your own life and stop blaming him and everybody else for all the stupid things that you do and just start correcting the stupid things that you do and your life will get better. Are you listening? Yeah, we don't want to blame God. Oh, God, God did that. God's in control. God's doing this. God do it. No, no. God put mankind on earth to be in control. That's why we're here. We are here. If God wanted to come, he just would have skipped us, came to earth, and straightened the whole thing out. But he made a boo-boo. He gave the job to us. Right? He gave it to mankind. He says, you do it. You take over. You do it. Let them, not us, let them have dominion. Now, he should have said us, but he didn't. He said them. And at that time, he relieved himself of anything on the earth that he has to do because now man had all authority, all dominion, had the kingdom, had the responsibility to take care of the earth. Now we know what happened, don't we? It didn't work out very good, did it? So Jesus came back and said, let's do act two. Act one doesn't work. So I'm going to come back. We're going to start the whole ball rolling again. I'm going to provide righteousness so they don't have to do it through the law. I'm going to fulfill the prophets. I'm going to give them a place where they can step back into the kingdom of God, become the righteousness of God, become a citizen of the kingdom of God, and start operating as members of a church. No. Christians? No. Catholics? No. Methodists? No. Lutherans? No. Citizens and sons of the kingdom of God. And most people in the church don't have that. They've got member attitude. They've got, a, a, who are you? I'm Baptist. And, and they think Baptist is going to get them to heaven and Catholics going to get to heaven. That stuff don't get you anywhere but in trouble, praise God. Now, each one of those has something that actually makes sense according to the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is bigger than any denomination. It's bigger than any church. It's got more stuff to it. So basically what we want to teach as much as we can about kingdom of God to change our kingdom way of thinking so we start walking in victory and then can tell others how to walk in victory because everybody in the world wants to walk in victory. And never walked up to anybody and said, would you like some peace? No, I just don't really go for peace. Joy, I hate joy. No. Everybody needs peace. Everybody's looking for joy. But if you ain't got it, you're going to tell them how to get it because you've been trying to get it for 30 years and you couldn't get it either. You just got to say, step into the kingdom of God. Praise God. Step right on in here. And when you do, peace is yours. Joy is yours. There's a transformation on the inside. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. So notice he says, there should be a switch, dispensation again. Now we're going to preach the kingdom of God. And we do, every man is going to what? Press into it. You know, all my life we've been chasing people down. 
Nobody pressed in to hear the gospel. I'm running all over, handing out tracts, running all over, doing all this stuff. But there's going to come a day when they're going to see a kingdom group of people living a kingdom lifestyle. And they're going to say, wait a minute, something's right or wrong with them. I'm not sure which. And they're going to come and they're going to seek that in their life. Praise God. Hallelujah. So that's what the kingdom of God is all about. So every man presses into it. But notice, after John the Baptist, what are we supposed to be preaching? Are we preaching the kingdom? No, we're not. Well, we are, but nobody else is hardly. All right, go to Luke chapter 4. <laughs> Ask the wrong crowd, huh? Yes. All right, Luke chapter 4. Look at verse 40. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. And the devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place, and the people sought him, and came unto him, and stayed him, that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because that is why I was sent. And he preached in their synagogues. Guess what he preached? The kingdom of God. Now, this is interesting. Man, you talk about revival. This is revival. People are coming, getting healed. People are coming. The devil's getting cast out. All these things are manifesting. There's signs and wonders and miracles everywhere. And they come to him and, and they want him to stay there. Well, I'd want him to stay there too, wouldn't you? Praise God. Yeah, stay here. But notice, he came to do those things, but that was not the priority of what he was here for. The priority was to preach the kingdom of God. Otherwise, he would have stayed there. But he didn't. He knew what was going on there. Did more people need healed? Probably. Did more need delivered? Yeah. But more people did need to hear about the kingdom of God than even the signs, wonders, and miracles that he was doing. And notice he didn't say, I must heal. He said, I must what? Preach. Preach. So if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, then you're going to have to learn about the kingdom of God, and you're going to have to preach the kingdom of God. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to follow the way Jesus teaches us how to think in the kingdom of God, who you are in the kingdom of God, the morality of the kingdom of God, the laws of the kingdom of God, the ways of the kingdom of God, and start living in those kingdom ways. All right, go to Matthew 24. All right, very interesting chapter here. Matthew 24, look at verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not that all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another, and shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Islands, the disciples came unto him privately, and they said, Tell us. When should these things take place? What shall be the sign of his coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Now here come the disciples. They wanted to know when the end was coming. They wanted to know when he was coming back the second time. How I many know a lot of people and a lot of us want to know that today? When he's coming back, what's he's doing? And people say, well, praise, praise God, you know, basically uh, Jesus never answered him. But if you look at the next verse, it says verse 4, and Jesus did what? Answer them. Jesus never told them. Well, he answered them. Amen. So he must have answered them. 
Dear Lord. And Jesus said, Take no heed, no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, since I've been a Christian, we've had the end times several times. Y2K, it was over. We were hunkered down, praise God. That was it. 9-11 hit. Everybody take cover. Jesus is splitting the sky and everything else. But how many of you know he goes through here? Look at verse 6. And you shall hear of wars, rumors of wars. Well, that's been ever since I've been alive. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is, yet every time something happens, we claim it's the end. And he told us that's not it. Look at verse 7. For nation shall rise against nation. Anybody seen that? Kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilence, earthquakes, diverse places. Anybody seen that? Now notice what it says in verse 8. All these are the, they're not the end. They're the beginning of these sorrows. Verse 9. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted. It's coming and shall kill you and shall hate you of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended. How many know that's taking place? And shall betray one another, shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because of iniquity around many people's love will grow what? Cold. I mean, all those things are taking place all at once right now. It was sort of a gradual thing for a while, but now everything is coming together right there. All right, look at verse 24. Now he's going to answer their question. And this gospel of the 14, this gospel of the, and this gospel of the, and this means a specific one. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then what happens? Then shall the end come. My goodness sakes, there he was. He had the answer the whole time. Praise God. Hallelujah. So what did he say? Basically, when we preach the gospel of the kingdom to all nations, then the end shall what? Now, now this could take a while or this could be quick. How I many know we have internet? We have ticky-tocky, whatever that is. We have all these... All these social media things out there that the gospel could go quickly all over the world because about everybody gets this stuff and it could go into there and could be preached very quickly. So the answering of the question is when this gospel, notice not any gospel, but this gospel of the kingdom is preached. When the gospel of the kingdom is preached into all the world, then the end shall come. So let me ask you a question. Why hasn't the end come yet? Because we haven't preached the gospel of the kingdom anywhere, much less in all nations. Praise God. There's a long time. Everybody says, things are getting so bad, the end's coming. I said, relax. It's not coming. <laughs> Take a chill pill. It's not coming. Don't worry about it. Oh, it's coming. No, it's not coming yet. Praise God. I can tell you that. Not until this gospel is preached into all the world. For a witness to the nations. Say nations. The word nation here actually means ethnos or ethnic. You know what an ethnic group is? You know, it's a group of people who basically talk alike, they look alike, they act alike, they everything else. So here he says, basically, we're going to go into all the different groups. You know, lawyers, if you run into a lawyer, how many know that they think differently than you do and they definitely speak a different language than you do? How many of you know medical people think differently than you do and you try to talk to them, you can't even understand what they're talking about because they're using all these terms that I think they made up or something. Why is that? Because they're in an ethnic group. They're showing them how to do it. Well, he says, what we're going to do with the kingdom of God is we're going to make an ethnic group out of it to where all people talk the same, look the same, act the same, think the same. So they're going to think like the kingdom of God, basically. And they're going to bring the culture of the kingdom back into this earth realm for other people to join in. That's when the end will come. When will the end come? When the kingdom epnus, its language, its ways, its thoughts, its laws are preached and demonstrated 
into all the nations. That means the kingdom must invade your thoughts, your language, your ways, your home, your church, your workplace. Praise God. Remember when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is like yeast in three parts. Well, see, God, God wants to invade all three of your parts. He wants to invade the kingdom of God that's already in your spirit. He wants it to get out into your soul. Then he wants it to get out into your physical body. And yeast, you come, you know, you can't see yeast. You put it in there, you know what's in there, but you can't say, here's yeast. And there. No, it, it blends right in. It's the same thing. We're going to look like other people walking down the street. I mean, you're not going to have a halo. People are going to say, there's a kingdom citizen. They've got a halo. No, it's going to be in here. See, it's an it's invasion of the spirit of man and the mind of man and the soul of man and the emotions of man on the inside. So we're going to be walking along with all these things and people are going to see it. And when they see it, they're going to desire it and we're going to be able to tell them how we received it by entering the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God wants to take you over all three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Most people, he's in their spirit, hasn't even attempted to get in their soul and their body's a mess. Why is that? Because we're still in religion. We're not in kingdom. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, look at verse 36. Jesus goes on to say, But of the day and the hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as the days that were before the flood, they were eating and they were drinking, and they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Thank God Jesus gives us examples. He said, I've got an example for you. Remember Noah? First of all, look at verse 36. But of that day and hour knows no man, no, not the angels, but the Father only. So the Father knows the day, but he does not control the day. Are you following me? He didn't say this is going to be the day. No, he knows the day because he knows the day that everything is going to be ready for that to be done. So he's not controlling the day. He knows it. So Jesus goes on and says, it's like the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, people were eating. They were drinking. They were partying. They were marrying. Like today, they're eating and they're drinking and they're partying and they're doing everything today. And there was Noah building the ark. Flood coming, flood coming. Nobody wanted to listen. Flood coming, flood. Nobody wanted to hear. Flood coming, flood. Nobody wanted to do anything. So what happened? As soon as he got it done, basically, he stepped into the ark. And when he stepped into the ark, God closed the door. And immediately it started doing what? It started raining, didn't it? Now notice, it didn't start raining. Oh, this is going to be good. I can feel it. It didn't start raining until Moses finished his assignment. Uh, Noah, yeah. Noah finished his assignment. Do you see? It wasn't up to God when the rain came. It was up to when Noah finished his, the rain came. He could have spent another two years putting on side wings or something on that thing if he wanted to. And it wouldn't have rained until he got in the ark and then the rain. So Jesus is saying the same thing. The end is not going to come until the church completes this assignment of preaching the gospel of the kingdom into all the earth. Then the end shall come. So it's going to be just like the days of Noah. And there's so many comparisons. How many know that the people basically didn't listen to Noah? Didn't care about Noah. How many know they could have, but they didn't care about Noah? It's the same way. There's going to be people who hear the kingdom. They're going to hear about it. They're going to see demonstrations of it. But it doesn't mean that they're going to come on board. 
So when the rain comes, guess what's going to happen? It's going to happen that way, praise God. But it also shows, and, and I mean, he built it himself. At least we got a whole church, a whole bunch of people in the kingdom of God to do it. I don't have to do it with one man, praise God, because Noah built the whole thing by himself, for God's sakes. So here we are, basically, in this thing. What's he saying? He's saying, when you complete that, what I've told you to do. So we're not building an ark, but we are building the kingdom of God on a daily basis, and the more that we preach it. Now, how can we preach something that we don't know? How can we preach something we don't even know about? We're going to just preach the religion that we were told all our lives, and we're going to preach it to other people and put them in more bondage. And everybody's going to stay that the way they are. But the kingdom of God changes your mentality, basically, to change. E even to understand why you were here. Notice, God took a spirit, invisible person called the Holy Ghost, put him in a spirit, invisible person, you, put you in a flesh body, and turned you loose into the earth. I think that's so exciting, man, ain't it? It's like we're undercover. Everybody sees you, and, and everybody. Most of the church thinks you're a soul. They don't even know you're a spirit being. No, you have. A, you are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live in your physical body. Praise God. So God, what's He doing? He's putting His Holy Ghost on the inside of us with our spirit, putting us in this suit, basically, because the only person with authority on the earth is someone who has a flesh body, the species of man. So God doesn't even have any jurisdiction down here. That's why he had to send Jesus down here. Come on now. In an earth suit to redeem us because God couldn't do it without getting somebody legally into the earth with a flesh body. Because only a flesh body has. God's in control. No, he's not. He can't even be in control if he wants to be in control only if you let him. That's why he needs you. Well, we need God. Well, he needs you. Without God, we're nothing. Well, without you, he ain't much either down here. See, because it doesn't work. It's a natural realm down Here's where we're doing. And when you die, it's no big deal. You just leave your flesh body and you ain't allowed here anymore. You're, you're illegal. You see it? The body dies. I'm illegal. I can't be here anymore. I ain't got a body. So I go up into spirit land up there and do whatever I want to do. Death is nothing spooky, praise God. It's just stepping out. Once you step outside your body, I'm sorry, you can't stay here anymore. And we'll go a little bit further. The devil has no authority down here because he don't have a physical body either. He has to use someone's physical body who's here in order to do anything. He's illegal. He can't do nothing down here. His demons can't do nothing down here. That's why they're after people. Everybody's after you. You ever think that? Man, look, he made man the middle and the star of everything. You're either going to be influenced by God and be a star or by the devil and be a problem. But the devil can't do nothing, and God can't do nothing. Come on. And you, you're going to be influenced by one or the other. Right. You can't tell me with what's going on right now that people aren't being influenced by something because a moron could make better decisions than most of the people out there right now. Come on now. Am I right? We're just talking about natural thinking, so they've got to be under the influence of something to be that stupid with things that are going on in the world. Yeah, they're under the influence of the devil. So what do we need to do? We need to get them into the kingdom of God, get them born again, drive that devil out of there, give them the Holy Ghost on the inside, and they'll take off, praise God. Remember the madman of Gadara? Man, he was crazy. I mean, you know, he was nuts. He run around naked in the tombstones and everything else. My goodness, I wouldn't walk by that cemetery late at night, I don't think. Praise God. But what happened? He got hit by Jesus, got delivered, and all he wanted to do was go with Jesus to preach the gospel. And he said, no, now watch this. Go back to your family first. I want to save the world. Well, try to get along with your family first, please. Try to get along with your, your wife and your brothers and your sisters before you change the whole world. Yeah, see what you can do there, see. 
But that's what it's all about. It's the kingdom of God. God getting his kingdom back in the earth through us under the jurisdiction, basically. And the kingdom of God, like I say, it entails everything when you come in. It just includes everything. All right, go to John chapter 1. Right, John chapter 1, look at verse 12. It says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of who? God. So here he says, basically, John says that when you enter the kingdom of God, when you receive him, say receive him, now notice, you didn't just receive salvation, like everybody talks. You received the Savior. There's a big difference. If I'm saved, I'm saved. But if I receive the Savior, I'd much rather have the Savior and be saved than just be saved and not know I have the Savior. So he says, basically, you were saved. Now notice, he gave you power to become servants, slaves, Catholic, Lutheran, medicine. No, nothing. No, sons. Say sons. Sons. Now, religious taught us, when I was in it, that first of all, I was a sinner saved by grace. That I was just a servant of the Lord. Just a slave for Almighty God. I sang songs, just without a plea. Remember those songs? Who saved a wretch like me? Because that's what they wanted. It beat us down to a place to where God's way up here and so holy that he don't even like us. And hopefully he opens the back door of heaven and isn't paying attention when I die so I can sneak in the back. They never told us that he loved us enough to turn us into his own sons and daughters and give us the ability to act as sons. Now, how do I become a son? When you're, born, when you're born again, you are a son, but you become a son by realizing that you are a son, have a son attitude, have a son morals, act like a son, talk like a son, look like a son. What are you doing? It's changing your thought life again to think like a son. What's an example of that? Well, the best example there is is basically the prodigal son. That's what, that, that's what that whole parable's about. Here's somebody, they've got an inheritance, they want it from their daddy, they take their gifts, they take everything that God gave them, and they go into the toilet with it someplace. And they're singing on the stage, and they're stripping in the strip joint, and they're using all their, their things for the wrong thing, and all at once their whole world falls apart. So what do they end up doing? They end up working in a pig pen. How many know you don't get a lot of uh, excitement out of a pig pen, probably? You don't really think of yourself very good if somebody comes along and says, where you work in a pig pen. So here he is in a pig pen. This guy's in here. And finally he comes to himself and says, it's got to be better. It's got to be better back home, you know, where I was. So I'm going to go and I'm going to say, I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. I can't do it. I'm just a sinner. But I'm going to go back to my father. And I'm going to tell him just to make me a slave, make me a servant. But Father God met him. And gave him a ring and put shoes on his finger and put a robe on him. And he's the whole time saying, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And he's putting all these things on him. God was trying to show us that we have to change our way of thinking out of the pig pen mentality that we got. Where God doesn't love us, doesn't value us, doesn't appreciate us, doesn't do all these things. Until you change your mind out of that, you'll live in religion your whole life. Because you always have to do something to please God. God is pleased with you now. Hallelujah. Notice, before... When Jesus got baptized, the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus didn't heal one person, didn't preach one sermon, didn't do anything at that time. He was just a son who acted like a son, who lived like a son, and God was pleased with him anyway. And how many know God's pleased with you all the time? Now, it's impossible to please God without faith. 
So doubt and unbelief don't exactly make him that happy, I don't think. But still, we're in a place now where you've got to understand the value that you have in the kingdom of God, each and every person here. Not just the ones with doctor by their names, not just the ones with pastor by their name, not just the one with bishop by their name, or whatever. Each and every one of you here, each and every one of you here are valuable and important to God for some purpose that he's given you with your gifts to help extend the kingdom of God in your area Every place you go, everything you do. So a lot of times I'm planning when I go someplace, when I go to the store, I'm going there to extend the kingdom of God. Maybe give a book out to somebody. I'm, I'm going here. Does it happen all the time? No, but I'm ready. You understand? I'm ready. I'm not going to get caught short sometime when I'm thinking about everything in the world and somebody walks up and, and then you feel like you've got nothing. Ever happen? Somebody needs something and you've had a terrible day and people pulled out in front of you and everybody screamed at you and then they wanted prayer and you said, here's pastor's number, it's 772-812-124. Because you felt terrible, you didn't feel like you had anything, praise God. But notice you're of value. He wants you to be a son. And now watch, let's go on the religious side. Here's a son that worked for daddy his whole life. Everything that daddy wanted, he did. Oh, yeah, that's me. And here comes this rat fink brother of mine who came out of the pig pen, and you kicked the fatted calf for him. You didn't give me a goat. This is ridiculous. And what did the father say? Hey, it all belonged to you. If you think you were earning something from me by being such a good son, you're wrong. It was already belonged to you to begin with. I thought you were working for me because you knew that and loved me, not to try to earn something from me. See? So he covered both sides, didn't he? He covers the pig pen side, and he covers the other side, basically, that, that side of religion, that side of impressing God, that inside of doing something to deity to get something. You know, all that, stu- all that stuff is built on the inside of us because that's the way we were born into the earth. We weren't born born again. We were born with that nature on the inside of us, and it's a dog-eat-dog world. If you wanted to get ahead, you had a fight, you had a scrap, you had to do everything. But when you come in the kingdom, everything changes. Notice, just, you can take money and see the difference. Money, when I was in there, is work 42 million hours a week, store up the money, don't spend any money, watch your money, do all this stuff, and God says, oh, once I get born again, he says, give. I said, kingdom, what, is this guy nuts? What do you mean give? How can you give and end up with more? Does it make sense? No, it's faith, it doesn't make any sense. So you, what do you do? You just obey your kingdom, see, different rules, different laws, so I'm going to obey the kingdom. I'm going to tithe and I'm going to give and I'm going to do whatever. And pretty soon your needs are starting to make. And all this money comes in from over here. All that money's going to come in here. And 10 years later, you're doing just fine. Somebody comes up and says, how do you do that? And you say, I have no idea. I just followed what the law said, what the word of God said to me. And it works. So we've got to change our way of thinking on a lot of things, don't we? On the way that we treat other people. We've got to change the thing that, that forgiveness is okay. Unforgiveness is okay. It's not okay. The Word of God tells you it puts you in bondage and the person that you don't forgive has even got a chance to be in bondage. So all these things we learn how? By looking at the kingdom of God, by searching out the kingdom of God, by finding out what the kingdom of God says. So we want to come to a place where we think like a son, where we start to live like a son, act like a son. What are we doing? We're just being restored back into Genesis chapter 1 that said we were made in the image and likeness of God. Now we've been made in the image and likeness of God again, but our soul did not catch up with what took place on the inside of us. That's why the understanding of the new creation I always thought was the greatest revelation you can ever get, that you're not who you used to be. You're somebody different. You are a brand new creation. Everything you now has is of God. So quit claiming traits that aren't of God in your life and reinforcing them. How are you doing? I'm an angry man. Always been angry. Are you born again? I got born again, but I'm still angry. I'll tell you what, I'm doing my best. And you know what you'll be? Angry. 
I'm just so stupid. Well, you'll be stupid. You see, you can be whatever you want to be. Because now you're born in the kingdom of God and you have authority in every single area of your life. So the things that you are thinking of yourself and claiming to be, you want to get rid of those things and use your authority to, everyone wants to cast out a devil and heal the sick. How about cast out the stuff out of you? See, I was always an angry man. I came from an angry background. Everybody was angry. What did they do back in those days? You, you looked at them the wrong way, they got the stick, and they beat your hind end. They didn't even tell you why they were beating it, but you knew it was coming because as soon as they started heading towards the garage, you knew they were coming back with a stick. And it was too late to say, I'm sorry, because once they started walking, it was over. And here they come. Bang, 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 bang. Well, there you go. You didn't do it again. It definitely taught you some things. But notice, there's ways of doing things differently. There's ways of shifting. There's things of going into different things. So the kingdom of God comes along and it starts teaching us how to do things right rather than what we were taught. And we were all a victim of our environment. You know, if you were born in a small town that didn't like black people, you came out of that town and guess what? You didn't like black people. Why don't you like them? Well, because our town don't like them. Do you got something against them? No, but our town don't like them and I'm from our town, so... You know, our town drank. So what did everybody do? Had three bars in a town with what? 40 people? It's a small town. We had three bars in the darn thing. What did everybody do for? No, drink. All we had to do was drink. That's all we had to do. So everybody grew up. Our parents drank. We drank. And that's got to be broken somewhere along the line. So you want to break generational curses? Instead of casting them down all the time, make the adjustment in your own life. And the next generation won't see you doing it. See? Because they watch you, don't they? Oh, yeah. Watch you. They'll rebuke you with your own words. Won't they? Yeah. It's, it's hard to correct them when they're rebuking you with your own words. Yeah. Because it's all a change and a transformation that's taking place. And that's why the kingdom of God is so fast. There's so many areas of our life that God wants us to think differently on. To think other. Even, I'll just give you an example. i got to quit. On Sunday... We're coming home on the plane on Saturday night. I'm sitting there. Everybody's trying to sleep. I'm trying to sleep. Holy Ghost won't let me sleep. Holy Ghost starts talking to me about everybody and giving me words. Well, I preach. I don't have a problem. I come up. I talk. I teach. I don't have a problem. But to do that, I don't do that very often. Are you listening? So when I get here Sunday morning, I'm sitting in the seat. And just like before the first time I preach, it's going like this. And I thought, I've been preaching for all these years and why am I getting this on the inside of me again and he says you've got to get over the fear of doing this part of your gift rather than just the preaching part of your gift so see don't ever think you arrived <laughs> because you haven't praise God you haven't there's other things gifting on the inside of you is it hard to use that gift the first time oh my God is it hard it's like every angel's here and every devil's here and they're both coming at you from both directions. But once you do it and you start to do it, I'm sure that, I'm sure that Ted doesn't have that. He just gets up. You know, he's done it so many times, he just gets up and does it. But it's not something that God has used me, Matt, that much in. But, you know, if you make your available, like everybody says, I wonder what gift I have, but well, why not all of them? Well, thank you, but you should have been holding my heart. You'd have known the difference, praise God. It was... <laughs> 
yeah, it's something different. You know, it's something different that you do. So anything, some people just, if God gives them a little word out there to come up. I mean, you know, it's hard to get out of the seat and come up front and, and give the word. And, and then you sit down and, and the devil tells you that was the worst word anybody's <laughs> ever given in the entire world. And it didn't make any sense. And everybody thinks you're a fruitcake now. And yeah, yeah there's going to be, if he can't keep you from one side, he gets you on the backside. That's just the way that it works. But the more we step out in these gifts, the more we understand the power and the authority that we have in the kingdom that we live in. And God wants to use you in a lot of different areas and me that we're not being used in even at this time. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for wisdom and knowledge into your kingdom. Father, I thank you. Continue to fill me up with it so I can come here on Wednesday nights and just relay whatever you want to relay to the people. Father, I thank you for making us citizens of a kingdom of God, giving us access to every single thing that we need and want. We thank you, Father, that we want to go with your plans and your purpose, certainly not ours, and we thank you for revealing the purpose in our lives more and more each and every day. Father, I thank you if there's anybody in here who has never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, may they do it tonight. If you're listening on by the internet, praise God. If you've not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do that right now and you can step right into the kingdom of God right now tonight. Receive what he's done for you freely. Get your Bible open and start studying things about the word of God. Father, we thank you for what you've done tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, 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 Amen. amen.